This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. This is the Steelers Standard, and I am back. That's Tom. right, baby. Tom. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Back in the lead chair with my boys, Kellen and Jacob Breck. Thanks for holding down the fort in the past couple weeks. Now did the whole Mary thing. Now West officially, thing. Mr. Tom Offer. Now officially. I, I think I was always officially. I think that only works on the female I side guess. of things, but... I appreciate you saying that, and it's great to be back. I hope you guys missed me. Guys, oh, so dearly. Oh, I hope so. As we're sitting in the studio right now, we have the beginning of the Home Run Derby on, and one thing that's popular about baseball is when a pitcher is young or when a pitcher has kind of fallen off, one thing that he does is he tips his pitches, and that can tell a batter that a fastball is coming, that a changeup's coming, and it basically makes it impossible for the pitcher to get one by a hitter and ruins his career if they're tipping pitches. A similar thing was floated out about Ben Roethlisberger just recently uh, before this past weekend where video evidence that someone broke down saw that when Ben Roethlisberger was dropping back for a pass, he kind of got up on the balls of his feet a little bit more, whereas when he was dropping back for a running play, he kept his heels on the ground. He was a little bit more flat-footed, and about 90% of the time that they went back and tracked this, it seemed to match, okay, heels up, pass play, heels down, running play. So he has a little bit of a tell going on with him right now, and it's kind of, you know, in the middle of July as we wait for training camp, that's a story that might not be a big story otherwise, but it's going to catch fire a little bit because there's nothing else to really talk about. But the way that I fall uh, uh, when it comes to the Ben Roethlisberger tipping pass or run is I don't even think it's that big of a deal, even if it is true that he's tipping pass or run. I, I really don't see how it could affect a quarterback in the NFL kind of the same way it would affect a pitcher in baseball for tipping a pitch. I just feel like, you know, first of all, it's probably impossible for the defense to really see that clearly. There's so much other stuff going on. And second of all, even if you know a pass is coming, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to be able to cover everybody and stop the pass play. I mean, right. I know it gives you some of it of advantage when you know what the play is, but I just I don't see how this particular thing really could blow up in Ben's face, especially when you hear, oh, it's been a couple of years now he's been doing this. Well, he's been playing pretty well for the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things that go into that um, when you, you know, like, does it really matter? And I think the answer is no, because of the fact like no one picked it up, picked up on it last year. And you can say, well, the Steelers played bad down the stretch. And I don't think that's what really I think the TikTok user was the first person to like really show it and then all of a sudden it blew up on Twitter um, and a lot of people were talking about it like you said the defense they're not looking at Ben Roethlisberger's feet pre-snap they're looking at their keys pre-snap if you're a linebacker you're, you're, you're looking at a guard or you're getting ready to you're looking for motion you're looking for that sort of thing you're not necessarily looking at Ben Roethlisberger's feet now granted if this is a tell and if you know teams start picking up on it in the season and Ben doesn't stop it it can be you know something that the sideline can see and and, and you know relay to the defense but another thing too like I think a big part of this is the fact that how much the Steelers were in the gun last year because their running game was so yeah. effective well, I'm mean, looking at all these gifs of him doing it it's right all in now. A gun. it's all in shotgun and the idea is yeah you're probably still going to be in the shotgun a lot I mean that's the way football is going but I mean I think they're in the shotgun like 83 percent of the time last year you know what eliminates that is if you're under center. That completely eliminates the tell. I know you're not going to be under center, you know, eight more than probably 30, 40% of the time. 
But at the very least, it, it stops this tell. And I'm sure Matt Canada is going to look at this, and I know they want to get to running the football. And again, that goes back to the Canada offense. Hopefully that takes this away, and it's not as much of a tell because Ben's going to be under center more. At least that's the hope. Yeah, I mean, we started off comparing this to pitchers being able to or not being able to hide what they're going to throw. I think it's a totally different uh, example, though, when you consider a batter in the batter box looking directly at the pitcher. That's the only thing that they're really looking at. When you're a quarterback in the pocket, I mean, how many pairs of feet are around Ben that, <laughs> I mean, good for you if you're a defensive player that you can actually pay attention to one guy's feet while, while however many five offensive linemen, a running back, a tight end, and your, and your defensive teammates are all running rushing around him. Good for you if you can actually predict that. But I really don't think there's much significance to the story. Yes, it's a good observation by this by the first person who took notice of it but really when you're in real time in the game I don't really think it's going to be very advantageous to, to any defense who's trying to look for this no it's exactly what my point is I mean if you're a nose tackle or a defensive end and you're lining up alongside your tackle or your guard whoever you're trying to beat are you really that focused on Ben Roethlisberger's feet or are you more focused on the ball that the center's holding because that's when you know the play has started. You you know, you don't know the snap count. You have to watch the ball to make sure that you're not going to jump offside. So mm-hmm. you know that all of those guys up front, eyes are on the guy across from them to see when they flinch or the football so that they know when the play has started. I guarantee you most of them are not looking at Ben. In fact, for the most part, they're trying to tune Ben out because they don't want any hard counts causing them to jump offside. So those guys up front, you know, aren't going to be able to see it. Maybe a linebacker or a safety sees it, but really every single time it's like a split second before the snap happens where he picks up his left heel. What are you going to be able to do communicatively wise, if that's even a word, to the rest of your teammates on defense in that half a second before the ball is snapped? You're not going to be able to do a couple check with me's or audible in the secondary in that short of a time because, oh, I saw his left heel go up. This is going to be a pass play. It's just it's something that I think, yeah, you'd like him to fix. And I think it's definitely fixable, but it's it's something that's not going to be a complete detriment to the Steelers offense at all. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching it right now. Like in the, the story that I was reading, they gave a link to watch, you know, the Steelers and Washington football team, like the entire game. And it, it is true. Like I'm watching it. I'm watching the Steelers on offense and it is true. But like you said, I think the biggest point of it, Tom, is that when he lifts his heel, it's, like a half, not even half a second before the snap. It's happens. literally like right before the snap. It's, right it's almost like snap. you know they used to do this in Madden. You every time you were in shotgun when they'd do the set, they'd lift up their left thigh in the yeah. air right before they snap the ball. It's not as exaggerated as his knee coming up to his chest, but no, it's like a split second before he calls hut. And the thing is, like again, our defense is going to figure that out. I don't know, and I'm sure there's probably more guys that do this than you think. It's probably not just Ben Roethlisberger. This was probably the first one that. They noticed the best part, too, is on this USA Today touchdown wire, like collage of gifs. There's one from back in 2004 as rookie year, which I'll get into in a second. If this was happening in 2004, well, it clearly hasn't hindered him then because he's going to the Hall of Fame one day. But just funny to me that they're using this as an example of the tell. And the play is Ben throwing the ball to Heinz Ward for a 15 yard gain on a third down for a first down. So it's like, okay, you're kind of proving the other side here where, yeah, it's a tell, but it clearly didn't matter. He picked up the first down in this very play. Like the Patriots, who are the team they're playing in this video, weren't able to adjust fast enough to stop the pass from happening. So I, I just, I, 
a lot of me comes down on, I heard this over the weekend when I just had gotten back from the West Coast and I was like, wow, that stinks he has to tell. And then as I dug into more, I was just like, I don't think this matters really in the slightest. I mean, maybe a little bit it does and maybe one or two plays a game, it might bite you in the butt. But I, do, I don't think that this is anything that you have to sit there and, and wring your hands over as we head into training camp wondering if Ben Roethlisberger is going to throw interception after interception because the defense knows when it's a pass or a run. Right. I, I don't think this is that big of a deal again. Um, it's happening right before the ball is snapped. The defense isn't looking at his feet right before the ball was snapped. They're just not doing that. Um, again, you know, if if, oppo- if the opposing sideline is picking it up and, you know, as Ben's getting the ball, they're calling out run pass. I mean, that could happen. But then again, you look at any uh, college football or, or mm-hmm. NFL, the sidelines do that all the time anyway. Yeah. They're right. yelling run or pass regardless. The second the ball snap. Doesn't matter. Right. You know, that, that doesn't mean that the defense is going to stop the offense. That That's not what that means. And you know why they yell that a lot? Because their eyes aren't necessarily always on the quarterback or the running right. back. They're right. Looking They're at looking other at things. their signs. There's 10 other guys right. to be paying attention right. to. I mean, obviously the quarterback weighs a lot more in terms of importance. But when you're a defensive back, you're trying to stick with Deontay Johnson chasing right. people. You're looking you need at that sideline to tell exactly. you if the ball's in the air or not. You, you don't have time to like yeah. take a peek in at Ben. That's how you get burned. I mean, think about the Chiefs, how we always like to talk about. Kellen specifically, you say how there's there were a couple of plays last year where all 10 guys other than Patrick Mahomes moved before the ball was snapped. Like The offensive line did that thing where they kind of roll to the right all together as five or roll to the left. I mean, how are you going to be paying attention to just one person when you have 10 other people who are all in motion? Yeah. It's bizarre to me that they would think that it would have that much of a hindrance on his game. And, and lastly, before we move on from this, it's just it's funny that, again, I saw this video from 2004 in a game against the Patriots where Ben Roethlisberger beat them his rookie year, blew them out at Heinz Field on, I believe, Halloween night. And he had the same tell. Well, if he was doing it in 2004, are you just trying to tell me that no one caught on to this until your investigative right. work until 2019, 2018? Like, like these are some of the smartest football minds in the world. You're telling me that in the film room breakdowns that no one was able to see this and pick up on it. I'm going to say that, no, they were able to f- pick up on this f- from time to time. I just don't think that Bill Belichick's sitting there thinking, oh, Ben Rossberg lifts his heel. Mm-hmm. Now that's the key to beating him is that when he lifts his heel, we know it's going to be a pass. And when he doesn't, we know it's going to be a run and we can sell out and stop the run. So uh, it's not like I don't think other people have noticed this from 2004 till 2020. I don't think you're necessarily splitting the atom here. I just think that you're shining a light on something in a social media heavy world where it wasn't that heavy back in 2004 with social media. So it was just starting to get traction back then. You know, I I think you're just putting a spotlight on something that really doesn't deserve to be in the spotlight. I mean, to be honest with you, like you alluded to this, but to kind of go off of it. If you think the only person in the world that has picked this up is a is a TikToker called Theo Ash, that's what I mean. And it's like, okay, so you show this video of him doing it in 2004. The man won two Super Bowls, went to a third, and is a Hall of Famer. Everything that transpired after this initial video of him doing it in 2004, so like it, it clearly did not affect him at all. He's been an elite quarterback his entire career, despite having this quote unquote tell that he has. It's probably just someone trying to push a story out there. And, you know, not to get too into the weeds on this side of things, but the Steelers just have a tendency to have the national media. And this guy's not even national media. So you don't want to give him that much credit. But national media are taking what he said and running with it because, you know, whether it's the Cowboys, whether it's the Steelers, whether it's the Patriots now, you know, there's just marquee brands in the NFL. The Steelers are certainly one of them. And, 
it's always a good idea to stir the pot when it comes to those marquee brands. That's why you see the Cowboys lead off first take almost all the time, no matter if they're good or bad. You hear, you see Jets takes happening on first take because they're in that big market. Mm-hmm. Steelers fall into that same category, and when you're in those dead zones between you know, the combine and the draft or between the draft and mini camps and between mini camps and training camp, you need to get some sort of traction going. And the Steelers are a sexy team. Their Steelers are a team that moves the needle. So when a TikToker whose name what was his name, Brandon Ash, Ash, Theo Theo Ash. Ash comes out and has this, you know, people are going to run with it a little bit more than if, you know, Theo Ash came out and said, Andy Dalton's had a tell for years. If this is going to affect his ability to win the starting job in Chicago or not, people aren't going to be as interested as they are with a hall of fame quarterback and the Pittsburgh Steelers brand attached to it. So this is just another example of that national media taking something kind of stirring it a little bit more than it needs to be stirred just because they got to fill time until training camp starts. Right. And And that's kind of what we're doing here too. But on the other side, we're trying to stop that stir from happening because it's not that big of a deal. And I mean, and again, it's the social media age too. You know, someone sees that Ben Roethlisberger gets a tell. It's it's just like anything that TikTok I'm sure blew up. I don't have TikTok, so I have no idea. But I'm sure that it did. And being that it's all over Twitter and people are, are citing this one guy, that does tell you that, again, it's kind of spreading like wildfire, again, because what else is there to talk about, you know, a week, two weeks, two and a half weeks before training camp, there's really not that much. So you always try to find something. And again, it's not that the the, the tell isn't legitimate, because it is, but it's not as bad as what, you know, the, the articles or what people are saying is. It's literally right before the snap. It's not that big of a deal. I don't think so it is either. Now, you guys said you talked about this briefly kind of before uh, I came back with you know, people were speculating for the Steelers who would be the first-time Pro Bowler, uh, and that means someone who's on their roster now that would make the Pro Bowl for the first time in their career. And Deontay Johnson was the one that really kept coming yeah. to the forefront of people's minds. And you know, that's great, and I hope that Deontay Johnson reaches that level. But I kind of feel like that's going to be hard to do when you're probably going to be the third option when it comes to this offense in the passing game. And I would think if you're going to go the receiver route there. The guy that I would put money on is Chase Claypool to break through that wall and become a pro bowler eventually. And maybe you guys said that already, and I apologize if that's the case. But, you know, that's just the way I I looked at it where, yeah, I would love Deontay Johnson to be that guy. And he certainly has big play potential and, and yards after the catch potential. But Chase Claypool is a prototypical number one wide receiver in the NFL. He's got all the tools and if he can continue his development into his second season, the sky is just the limit for this guy. And not only could he make a Deontay Johnson obsolete, but in a way he could make Juju obsolete where he becomes that definitive number two, because Claypool has just so clearly been the number one guy for this team. And that's, I think the ceiling that he can reach. And if I were to bet on somebody in that receiving court to be a pro bowler for the first time, I would put it on Claypool more than Mm -hmm. Deontay. And he's probably going to get more opportunities than Deontay is in the offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at the wide receivers, like he's the one guy that could really, I mean, not to say that, that Deontay or, or Juju couldn't blow up. I mean, Jacob and I, when we talked about it, like we did say that there's obviously a possibility for Deontay to be a first time pro bowler if he limits the drops and he obviously has the breakaway burner speed that if he catches the ball in the open field, there's not many guys in the league that can, that can slow him down, right. that can stop him. So yeah, obviously there's a, there's a, there's a chance for that. But producing with, with, for Matt and Dale um, today on the drive, they were saying too, like um, you, when you when you look at those guys, when you look at Claypool or Deontay, if you really had to, like who would you rather have on your team? And uh, you know, based on the fact that he has the 
Claypool, I mean, has right. a bigger build, has more of the intangibles, has more of the, like, go up and get it, yeah. has that, that sort of true wide receiver build, the durability of being a bigger guy, and still only being in, in his second year coming up, that's the guy that they would have, they would mm-hmm. bet on. And they said, you know, they're saying the same sort of things we are. Like, don't say that, you know, you're not going to say that Deontay is going to be a bust or that he isn't going to have a good season or anything like that. But, you know, another name that they mentioned, another name that I think that was mentioned in the original article was Devin Bush. And I think that's a pretty good, um, a pretty good pick for, you know, him to have his first Pro Bowl. You know, we don't know what last year was going to look like. Because, you know, it was taken from him so early. He looked like that was his first game where everything started to click for him. Um, you'd like to see him start a little bit earlier this year. But, you know, of another name they threw out, too. And I, I know I'm stealing from Matt and Dale here, but it's kind of crazy that he hasn't gone to a Pro Bowl yet as Steph Tua. Yeah, that's another name that's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You look at his box or his pro football reference, and it's shocking that he hasn't made one yeah. yet. I mean, well, I think, I think too, you have to think it's, it's kind of odd how Deontay Johnson has made an all-pro team and yet not made a Pro Bowl team. Of course, he made the all-pro team as a receiver or as a returner, not the receiver. But I think it's something Kellen and I also talked about while time was absent was it's hard when you're one of just four guys on a wide receiver death chart, right? It's not that it's not like it was Antonio Brown who was the number one guy. Juju Smith-Schuster was the definitive number two. And so it was easy to get the ball to Antonio Brown because that guy can get the ball from wherever the ball is thrown. And then that takes a lot of weight a lot of coverage away from Juju. However, when it's an even playing field, basically for the three guys at the top, and then you would add a a James Washington, who's the solid number two to all of them. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a bad thing if Deontay can't make that lead to the Pro Bowl, just because there are so many other guys in that receiver room alone. Let's not forget that now the Steelers have two tight ends to throw to and a Najee Harris, who's going to be very involved in the passing game. I Just because he doesn't make the Pro Bowl, I don't think that means he's he's bound to be considered a bust no not at all especially when you're so early in in his career right. like he is yeah and, and you know not to diminish your point there but i just i mentioned stuff to it and i wanted to get back to this point there were 10 guys that doubled sacks last year 10 in the entire league stuff to it was one of them and you know again i know that we've talked a lot about stuff to it and will he stay healthy will he be right all the time you don't know that and again we have seen him be hurt a lot but you know we're talking about guys that can make their first pro bowls i think all what four of them, Claypool, Ju- uh, Deontay, Steph to and Bush. I think those are probably the leading candidates. I mean, I know that's four candidates out of, I don't know how many that obviously haven't made a pro bowl yet, but those are the four guys that definitely have the best chance of anybody. But again, it's pretty wild that to it again, it uh, was one of what 10 guys that had double digit sacks last year and wasn't a pro bowler and hasn't been a pro bowler yet. That's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, it is. And it is hard to believe. The injury bug is probably the oh, main, sure. the main right, reason right. that's kept him out. Of I mean, if he had stayed like healthy that, for the entire 2019 season. He was going to be the defense player of the year. <laughs> he was yeah, bound I mean, for it. I mean, he was at least going to be a finalist. There's no doubt he would have been a pro bowler, no doubt been an all-pro member that year as well. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. that When you look at him, he looks better than Cam Hayward is. It's just Hayward is always more consistent, never getting hurt, always uh, someone you can rely on every Sunday. And two, it just simply hasn't been that. Two, it did play 15 games last year, though. So if he could string 15 or 16 games again this year, that would start to finally chip away at that kind of, you know, typecasted, I'm always injury-prone persona Mm -hmm. that Steph Tewitt has. And I'm sure that he would definitely want to get far away from that. But another guy that you mentioned was Devin Bush in that category about potentially getting to the Pro Bowl for his first time. Jacob, you said how if Deontay doesn't get it, 
that's not a detriment on him, and you really can't judge him for that. I agree with Devin Bush because it would only be his third year after missing his second season due to injury. But however, I, I kind of feel like if he, him becoming a Pro Bowl is almost like a I really really need to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Like he needs to get to a level where, to the very least, we can have a conversation on this very podcast months from now where we're saying what a snub he was that he wasn't invited sure. to the Pro Bowl. Just he needs to get to a level where you're talking about him in that kind of a status. When if, you're if you're gonna see him take the appropriate you know yeah. steps in his uh, production. Right. When you're a top ten pick for any team, you need to be elite. You need to be a difference maker yeah. as soon as you get to the team. When you're a top ten pick when the team traded up to get you, that's even putting more emphasis on how much you needed to make an impact upon your arrival. And of course last year we didn't really see Devin Bush make that leap just because his season got cut so short by his injury. But even so, in that short playing time that he had before his injury, we weren't really seeing him be that difference maker that we thought he could be after a, a pretty good rookie season. I completely agree. I think it's a totally different conversation when you compare Devin Bush to um, Deontay, simply because Deontay, like I mentioned, is one of four guys in a very loaded receiver room. When you look at the inside linebacker position, it's Devin Bush and everybody else. This is kind of similar to the 2016, 2015, 2017 era of Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown's not at that Pro Bowl level, you're looking at yourself thinking, oh, no, we might be in trouble because this is supposed to be the guy that's going to be the best for us. And if Devin Bush isn't up to that level, then you're starting to actually think, and I know you said, Tom, that he's only entering his third year and his second year was riddled by an injury, a season-ending ending injury very early on. I, I think it's a totally different conversation because if he can't step up this year, I think you're looking at yourself saying, uh-oh, I mean, we might be in trouble here. This might have been a a bargain that we took that may not have been paying off. Yeah, that's exactly my point, is that there's so much that you put into him. You've invested so much into his stock that you need to start seeing some returns on it. And again, if it means that he's not exactly in the Pro Bowl, but he's at least sniffing around it, and you can make the case that he should have made it. I don't even know if, if, if sniffing around is going to be enough. Yeah, because, because the other guys around him and the lack of depth behind him, I really think you need him to step up and be a pro, a guaranteed Pro Bowler. Yeah, I mean, you haven't really... I know they picked Buddy Johnson this year in the draft, but that's more of a move to replace the guy that's standing next to Devin Bush, right. not even close to a move that you're already starting to try to you know, bang or, or get some insurance on the fact that maybe Devin Bush not might not pan out. The Steelers haven't reached that point yet with him, but if he kind of struggles out of the gate this year or knock on wood, he struggles with injury again this year, then I'm not saying that this is also a year in 2022 where they'd start to think about that insurance plan, but I'm sure it starts to creep into the back of Kevin Colbert's brain that, you know, he might not be the long-term answer that we thought he would be at linebacker, let alone the star that we thought he could be. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and again, he's only in year three. Um, yeah, that's the so thing. It like might, it's almost unfair when you keep yeah, I mean, this, especially I, when you miss one day. Anyway. Right, last year is is the anomaly. It's the, it's kind of you know the unfortunate one because you know his rookie year obviously wasn't bad. One hundred nine tackles, you know, four fumble recoveries, forced fumble, had two interceptions. I think he had a a defensive touchdown too um, in in his rookie year. He was really good, I thought, his rookie year. He, you know, he had a lot of things to prove, and I think last year was going to be the year that where he was going to, you know, really take the next step. Obviously, we didn't get to see that. Um, and again, I think it should be noted too, like, you know, if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl, it doesn't mean that he's not, you know, the answer. 
And I know that's not what you were saying, Tom, but right. I just wanted to throw that disclaimer out. Like, even if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl and he's not, you know, the, the guy right away in his third year coming off of an ACL injury that everybody kind of assumed him to be, that doesn't mean that he's going to be a bust. That doesn't mean that he can't be a long-term starter or even a star at the inside linebacker position. Um, it's only his third year, and he's only going to be, what, 23 when the season starts. Um, it, it's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, in the short period of time that we've seen. But again, um, it is very important, not only for his sake, but for the Steelers' sake, especially this year, um, you know, for him it, it, to take a step up because of the fact that the inside linebacker position is so bare, um, you know, and if he's not the above and away best player at that position, which he probably will be anyways, even if he's not at a Pro Bowl level, he's obviously above and away the, the best linebacker in the group. Um, he needs to ascend to that. And if he doesn't, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that, th that the plan is ruined, that you wasted that number 10 pick and that you shouldn't have traded up for right. him. But it, it, at least the conversation could be had at that point in time. It is important for him to step up next well, I mean, year. Yeah, no because it, now you're starting to talk about that fifth-year option. I mean, right, next year's right. his fourth year. The year after that, you can pick that up and still have his rookie deal. But you got, and I'm sure even if he did have an average year this year, they'd still probably be leaning towards picking up that because yeah. you put so mm -hmm. much into it. But again, that clock is ticking. I mean, you missed right. a year because of injury, and that's no one's fault. No, not, especially not yours. No, but unless it's just the unfortunate another, hand you've been yeah. dealt. Unless there's another season-ending injury or he can't recover from this injury, like we would hope he would, then you start to really have that conversation mm -hmm. of you may not pick it up. I think other than those two circumstances can't recover and just really falls off the deep end. I think regardless of those two happening, it's it's a it's pretty likely that they'll pick him up for that fifth year. I think the one guy too that could definitely make a pro bowl and it would be his first one just because it's his first year in the league is Najee Harris. Yeah. I mean, we talk about how Deontay Johnson might not get the opportunity to really reach pro mm -hmm. bowl status with all the log jam at that wide receiver position. Here's a guy who's going to have endless opportunity. Oh, he's going to get all the carries. He's, he's going to get Le'Veon Bell touches. Yeah, he's going yeah. to be flirting with 30 carries a game eventually. He might even be flirting with high 30 carries. You better hope so. One time you know, this year. You better hope so. That's not even to mention his impact in the passing game. So, you know, I, I think that if he hits the ground running in the NFL and doesn't have much of a transition to the faster pace of the game, then I think that it's not a lock that he would be a pro bowler, but it's close to being one. He's going to put up some really good numbers because he's going to have every opportunity in every game to, to really be a game breaker and to show out. No, there's no doubt about that. And I know this is from a fantasy fantasy perspective, fantasy football he's, perspective. He's got to I mean, be a really juicy yeah. rookie. Like, I mean, yeah. he's like, going to be a first-round pick just because he's of the gotta fact. He's got to be, right? Because everybody's thinking, oh, this, he's going to be the Steelers feature back. It, right, like, and just because of the fact of the workload, just because yeah. of how much he's going to touch the ball. Uh, you know, I know no one really cares about the fantasy perspective, but. No, people do. And here's the other thing about that, too. People in Pittsburgh may be down on the Steelers, whatever, because of the collapse that they had last year. But people are going to look at Najee and they're going to go, he plays for a really good team. He plays mm -hmm. for a playoff contender team and he's their feature back. Right. So, I mean, he's going to get a lot of touches. Yeah. He's going to it's catch the like ball. It's not like he's playing for some Detroit Lions right, or something. Right. Like. And that has some stock, obviously. And, and um, you know, I, I think Najee has a good shot, obviously, to have his first Pro Bowl. I, I mean, one for one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a very likely possibility because of the workload, because of the fact that. They are going to lean on him more than anybody in that offense. There, there's no question. Fantasy kind of does matter, too, in Pro Bowls because fans have 
It's all input with right. Pro it's all, that's, and that's what fantasy we were is how you about. become a star. Right. That's oh, yeah. what we were talking about. Pro Bowl snubs versus. I mean, how how is it possible that you can't make a Pro Bowl but you make an All Pro team? It's just because the Pro Bowl is a, is a popularity contest. So if Najee Harris does get this exposure, and you talk about how you said, Tom, he's not just on the Detroit Lions. He's on the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a team that has a national following. This is a team that plays at least five primetime games yeah, he's be, every year. We know they do this year, so he's going to be on primetime a lot. This is a team that has more exposure maybe than any other team that's not in a New York or L.A. market. Not to mention the primetime, but they're the feature 1 o'clock game on week almost, one. With almost the, every With year. the Bills, yeah. too, though. Oh, like, well, yeah, that's, for sure. Like, right out of the gate, week one, he's going to be right in everybody's face because they're the 1 o'clock slot for week one. So A little shocked that game isn't like a Monday night or, yeah. a, or a Sunday night game just because it's such a good matchup, but... Probably just the Bills and Steelers had other matchups down yeah. the road, and they had too many primetime right. games. They couldn't you make that one a primetime game. You can't force game. so many onto one team. Exactly, and those teams are both going to be in everybody's eyes for the rest of the season. Steelers national brand, Bills, an absolute Super Bowl contender. But, yeah, I think Najee can certainly be the guy that throws his hat into the Pro Bowl ring for the first time uh, in his career. That's going to do it for this episode. On the next episode, we're going to talk a little Aaron Rodgers. He said some more stuff during the match last week that kind of stirred the pot a little bit more with his status with the Green Bay Packers. And when in doubt, you can always talk Aaron Rodgers. That's why I love the man so much. Always giving us so much content during this offseason. Also, a couple of players from average to below average teams last year boasting some maybe unwarranted confidence at their team's prospects in 2021. We'll get into that and some other headlines around the NFL as well. That's on the way in the next episode of the Steelers Standard. For Jacob Recht and Kellen I'm Tom Offerman. Thanks for listening.